Hi everyone, I'm Laura Young, Maine Community Foundation's Vice President of Philanthropy, and I just wanted to jump in here to thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I hope you're enjoying them, and also invite you to meet our new CEO, Deborah Elwood. We have two gatherings coming up, one on July 27th at the Lucerne Inn in Dedham, and also on August 23rd at Thompson's Point in Portland. You can go to maincf.org slash reception for more details and to sign up. We look forward to seeing you there. You are listening to Maine Ties, a podcast of the Maine Community Foundation. I'm Taylor Mace. It's a summer day in the early 1900s and you're in your Victorian garb. High collars and petticoats for women, coats, ties, and bowler hats for men. Aboard a trolley headed for one of Maine's 13 trolley parks that were popular at the time to see diving horses, play croquet, take a boat, fish in a trout pond, or take in a performance. More than 100 years later, little remains of these parks. But Riverton Trolley Park in Portland and Merry Meeting Park in Brunswick are two former trolley parks that have been reacquired for renovation for public use by the Portland Parks Conservancy and the town of Brunswick. Conserving both rural and urban lands is part of the Maine Climate Council's plan to increase the state's conserved land from 21 to 30 percent by 2030. Today's Maine Ties guests are working to achieve that goal. I'm Tom Farrell. I'm the Director of Parks and Recreation here in Brunswick, Maine, and I've got a pretty significant tenure here. I just completed my 40th year with the town, so I've been involved over all that time with several initiatives that have resulted in building uh, quite a large uh, land uh, mass of properties throughout the community that have been preserved in various ways for the public to use many in perpetuity. Um, and this most recent acquisition, the Mayor Meeting Park, is the most significant historic land uh, parcel that uh, we've been able to preserve. The Mayor Meeting Park parcel has been uh, a well-known property in the town, privately owned for many, many, many years. And it uh, has about 3,500 linear feet of deep water access on the Androscoggin River. And it's right adjacent to our waterfront bike path here in Brunswick, been inaccessible to the public uh, for decades. And um, it has uh, substantiated prehistoric activity that dates back almost 9,000 years. Um, there's been our archeology span uh, performed there by Maine Historic Preservation Commission. There are artifacts that from the property that reside in the Maine State Museum. Um, there's evidence of a red paint cemetery on the property that dates back almost 4,000 years. Um, but in more recent history, uh, the, the property served as uh, a shipbuilding um, location uh, that built uh, three and four mastered schooners. Um, that was in existence around turn of the century, 1799, early 1800s. Um, and 
Maine archaeologists also verified that there's an interesting amenity uh, that you can't see there today because it's below grade, but there's a graving dock where these ships were actually built um, that's been confirmed. Um, and subsequent to that, um, after the shipbuilding industry uh, kind of uh, moved closer to the coast via Bath, then upstream, um, Mary Meeting Park came into existence in 1898. It was short-lived and it was very popular. It was a 160-acre trolley park. Um, you may know that there was also one, I'm sure, Nan knows in Riverton. Um, and they were very popular around this time in, in history. Uh, but Brunswick would see, as would Portland and other places along the line, uh, in the summertime, it wasn't uncommon to see thousands of people at these locations. And it was 160 acres in size. Um, unfortunately, the historic uh, property was bifurcated in the early 1960s when Maine Department of Transportation uh, created Route 1, so it bifurcated the historic park. Um, and the 42 acres that remained in uh, private ownership along the river is what the town acquired uh, in late 2021 through a whole series of supportive grants that we got uh, from entities like Maine Community Foundation and others. Um, and our goal is once we raise a few of the buildings that are more recent, that uh, were uh, small residences on the property, we will look uh, to uh, seek other grants to create uh, a loop trail system within the park that will highlight all of these historic features. My name is Nan Cumming. I'm the executive director of the Portland Parks Conservancy, and we are a relatively new nonprofit founded in 2018. And our mission is to raise private funding for um, the parks and recreational programs in Portland. We um, also have our own set of values that really guide which projects we take on because Naturally, the city has a lot of different needs and um, could appreciate our help in any number of things. But we have goals that I'm sure will sound familiar to you, um, park equity, um, park access, inclusivity. Um, and that's really led us to the Riverton Trolley Park Project. Um, it is one in one of the lower income neighborhoods of Portland. It's um, a relatively neglected park, um, hasn't had a lot of attention over the years. And it's also an area where a lot of Portland's um, new immigrant populations have settled. And we really wanted to be able to provide a park that met their needs. So that's what led us to Riverton Trolley Park. Um, nice segue from Mary Meeting Park. It, was a, it has a similar kind of history. Um, it was um, created as a um, recreation area outside of downtown Portland that you would reach by trolley. Um, we're going to be, as part of our project now, creating a lot of interpretive signage um, that really tells that story, but also tells earlier histories of, um, of the property as a Wabanaki fishing area that was very important. Uh, it was also the site of one of uh, Maine's first canning companies, um, it was a corn canning factory was on the property. So we'll be um, telling people about some of that history as well. Um, and then of course, it's sort of a heyday as a trolley park. 
uh, between 1896 and 1920. After that time, sort of got neglected. Um, it became a, a city park in the 40s, but as folks who have lived in Maine for a while know, the Presumpscot River was terribly polluted, um, very smelly, um, and the last place you wanted to go for recreation. It really was ill used for a while. That also means it never got developed, which was nice um, after the trolley park era. And so now we just have this gem on this river that's really recovered um, to, to such a great extent. And we really get to do something special with it. Urban parks such as Riverton are essential to bridge what's called the nature gap, where people have inequitable access to the outdoors based on race, income, and age. In Maine, 96% of low-income and non-white residents live in a nature-deprived area. Portland has a lot of wonderful parks, and we rank very highly on a national scale of having parks within a 10-minute walk of most people. Um, the tricky thing about Riverton Trolley Park is, though, um, you can walk right up to it, drive right past it, and never know it's there. Um, the signage is very poor. Um, there's not much of a parking lot. Um, it's just a dirt lot. You'd never know there was a park beyond it, really. Um, so we really wanted to make it a more welcoming space for the local neighbors who, as I've talked to so many people, say, I never knew it was there. I go by there every day. I live a half mile away. Never knew it was there. Um, so we really want to do a much better job with the ex the signage on the street, recreate um, the parking lot so it's more welcoming, um, make it ADA accessible so folks can get to some of the amenities um, on, on some more paved and level um, trails. We also, thanks to Maine Community Foundation, were able to do a, a long public process um, and ask the community what they want to see at the park. Um, and we really made a, a strong effort to uh, include some of the new Mainers. We translated our survey into seven languages um, and folks responded. Um, you know, you can barely imagine how excited I was to start seeing Somali surveys coming back in and, and really learning about what some of our, our new residents really want to see and what would um, make them want to use the park. So now we're going to take that a little further. And um, as we do interpretive signage throughout the park, we'll do it in those different languages um, and really make sure everybody feels welcome when they go to the park. We worked um, off of those responses 100% um, and, and took what we learned and turned it directly into a plan um, with a landscape architect. Um, I think we were all quite gratified to know most people wanted the park left in its natural state, which had certainly been our goal to, to a large extent. You know, we had a few people who wanted us to put amusement park rides back. Um, but basically it would be kept in its natural state. Um, a lot of people wanted to see the little league field remain. So that's gonna be improved. We are going to be adding some mountain bike facilities. Uh, a lot of people asked for mountain biking. We don't have um, much in the way of mountain bike trails in Portland. 
So we'll do a small skills park and a flow trail just in one corner of the park. Um, and our number one thing was people wanted interpretive signage. You know, the more folks learn about this park, the more fascinated they become and they want to, to see that. Um, so the interpretive signage became a major piece. In Brunswick, the town is using once private land to create spaces for public recreation. You may be well aware that we once served as home to the Brunswick Naval Air Station and through um, the closure of the Brunswick Naval Air Station, we came into ownership of um, a little over 800 acres of open space. Um, many people don't know we have one of the best kept secrets in all of Southern Maine in that um, a good portion of that 800 acres uh, is on Harpswell Sound. And when the base was open and operational, uh, most people in the community had no awareness that there was that much coastline tied to the Naval Air Station. Um, the original proprietors of the town back in the early 1700s um, set aside a thousand acres in commonage for all the residents, which was known as our town commons. And in the late 40s, um, U.S. government uh, through eminent domain took uh, all but 71 acres of that parcel uh, and uh, used it to uh, house the Brunswick Naval Air Station. So when the Naval Air Station announced it was closing, the town moved quickly to try and preserve all of the open space we could, although the historic thousand acres, that, that footprint, uh, much of it was under the existing runway system. Uh, so we looked to preserve a like amount of acreage in those areas that made the most sense where the highest uh, resource values, which were along the sound. One of the things that people do not know is in all of Southern Maine, it's one of the uh, longest unfragmented linear pieces of coastline we have remaining. And we have been working in the last three years to develop 13 miles of trail uh, on that parcel. Um, I'm pleased to say that 10 miles have been completed and open to the public. And we are right now, uh, much like what Nan mentioned, in the process of clearing an alignment after we've uh, gotten the alignment permitted by the regulatory agencies because of its proximity to the sound and the natural resources, we're building 3.5 miles of mountain bike trail, single track mountain bike trail that's under construction right now. Um, so that's where our focus has been. The Mary Meeting Park, I think it's important to point out, has been something that the town has had on its radar for decades. And uh, it really came through a process. And I know Nan can speak to this in Portland because I am familiar with uh, some of what's been done there. But don't ever underestimate, in my perspective as the, the, the paid staff for a municipality, the importance of getting public input into what the community sees as its priorities in terms of land preservation and protection. Uh, and we went through a process in the early 2000s to update our parks, recreation, and open space plan. And through that plan came 140 recommendations. The number one recommendation in the plan was to acquire Mary Meeting Park if it ever became available. And that is one of the major reasons why when the family finally decided that it was willing to talk about sale, um, we were able to mobilize a number of key partners, our local land trust, Maine Coast Heritage Trust, and the Pajepskit Historic History Center, 
as well as the town to start in a real aggressive manner because it was a short window of opportunity to purchase this property to engage not only all of the community in that discussion in terms of fundraising, but all of the other partners, uh, because this acquisition involved grants from 11 different entities. Uh, Maine Community Foundation obviously being one, and we really appreciate that, but never underestimate the importance of a plan that's been vetted with the residents in your community. Never has access to open space been as crucial as it became during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Research has long determined the importance of spending time in nature for the mental and physical health of children and adults. The pandemic heightened that need. In times of stress, people need to get outside, go for a walk, you know, decompress a little. Um, kids need to play outside. You know, study after study show that um, outdoor play and outdoor learning is so important to child development. Um, but it's also a good for adult sanity. Um, and to have a convenient place for exercise. Um, makes so much difference um, for folks' health um, to be able to have a place where they can walk or go for a run or, or whatever. Um, it needs to be convenient for it to work. More and more awareness has been coming to the issue of the importance of people connecting with outdoor spaces. I think Richard Louv's book, Last Child in the Woods, uh, was kind of a precursor when people really started to think seriously about what are the benefits of the youth getting out and reconnecting with the environment. Uh, because with the advent of technology, I think it's taken young people as well as adults away from uh, critical outdoor spaces. And the one thing that the pandemic taught us is people rediscovered the importance of outdoor spaces in their lives because their well-being and health, they actually noticed. And I've had a lot of people anecdotally talk to me about that, that, you know, once I was getting out because it was safer to be out than indoor spaces, I realized how much I missed connecting to the outdoor environment, and now it's more of a priority in my life. And as a result of me being out there more, I feel better. Um, so I can't agree more with what Nan is saying about the importance of these spaces in, life, in people's lives. These two projects are just part of what Portland and Brunswick are doing to conserve land for public use. We have met our goal and raised all the funds um, we need to move forward with the Riverton Trolley Park project. We were awarded a land and water conservation fund grant. Um, we raised half of the match, the city put together um, the other half. Um, so those funds are committed um, and we are very hopeful to break ground um, on the start of the project. Our next um, big project is partnering with the Trust for Public Land um, on the purchase of a parcel in North Deering um, between Washington Avenue and Auburn for folks who know that area. It's a 
if you will, landlocked sort of parcel, um, you wouldn't see it from driving down Washington Avenue, but there's um, upwards of 17 acres there of forested land and a um, ball field that somebody built. Um, and it could well be developed, but we'd like to save that as open space and create a new park for the people in that neighborhood. Um, so it's exciting to know there are still opportunities like that out there. Um, and I am very, very excited that that's our next project. It's exciting times right now. Um, there's, I think, a lot of opportunity that faces communities throughout the country in terms of investing uh, in uh, health and wellness type infrastructure. With respect to Mary Meeting Park, one of the other recommendations in our plan um, spoke directly to future development, um, not necessarily of the park. We're going to do essentially what Nan said, very similar in terms of uh, taking an opportunity to point out all of the historic amenities that were part of Mary Meeting Park and this shipyard that existed on those 42 acres. That's phase one. But in our plan back as far as 2002, it was recognized that if we were ever able to acquire the property, it would only uh, require two elevated pedestrian bike bridges to connect to a series of islands, which by the way, when we acquired Mary Meeting Park, we made part of the project and we put a conservation easement on 77 acres that is the total of six islands in terms of total land mass. But we, with construction of two elevated bike pedestrian bridges, could get over the Androscoggin River, tie into Topsom, and make for a nine-mile bike pedestrian loop uh, utilizing our existing bike path on our side and bike and pedestrian improvements they've made in Topsom, which would be an extraordinary asset for the two communities. The other project that we're really focused on right now, and it really what's revised everybody's interest, revived everybody's interest in it, is what's called the Androscoggin to Kennebec Trail, the A to K Trail, which would connect where the bike path ends currently in Cook's Corner, Brunswick, and connect to uh, the bike pedestrian lanes on the Sagadahawk Bridge in Bath. And that's really a direct result. We did a feasibility study in 2004 with West Bath, the City of Bath and Brunswick and MDOT and Federal Highway uh, to complete that feasibility study, which would continue the bike path down the Route 1 alignment to Bath. Um, but given the infrastructure money that's come forward out of some of the more recent congressional bills in terms of funding opportunity, that's what's really galvanized the three communities. And we're meeting actively right now uh, with representatives from the three communities and we'll be reaching out to MDOT for an informed discussion about how we uh, together move this project forward. So that's really our highest priority, you know, in the near term.